Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. This is Corey. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if you're interested in learning more about the stories that I'm going to share with you today, just go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where you will find a written version of the Roundup with all of the links. Let's jump in with our first story of the week, low use of gynecological care for trans adults. A new study led by Talia Stewart found that transgender and gender-diverse adults at a rural health center were less likely than their cisgender peers to access gynecological services like pap smears and contraception. And this was true despite having uh, high rates of access to care and insurance among this particular um, population that appeared in this study. They also found that trans men had the lowest rate of HPV vaccination with just 20% compared to trans women who had a 60% vaccination rate and gender diverse individuals who also um, clocked in at 60%. So um, I think this is very interesting because when we think about um, problems accessing care among the trans population, we often think about barriers like low rates of insurance and just low access to care, and those um, are definitely very true. But this study looked at people who did have um, access to care and access to insurance and found that use of these services was still um, really low for trans and gender diverse individuals. Um, so I think that points to the need to have um, more inclusive services, you know, making sure that trans folks and non-binary folks are being included in screening guidelines, that they're feeling comfortable accessing the services that they might need. Um, so o- overall, really interesting to, to see these results. Next up, disparities mark HIV priority zones. A CDC study examined the first phase of priority jurisdictions for the Ending the HIV Epidemic Initiative. So basically the first round of um, regions um, that have been prioritized for uh, HIV interventions. Um, They found that black individuals accounted for 40.4% of HIV tests that occurred in those areas. Um, However, troublingly, they found that um, black individuals also made up 47.5% of new diagnoses in those zones, um, which is certainly um, more than the population of black folks and shows a big disparity among black communities. They also troublingly found that um, 58% of those who had been diagnosed with HIV previously but were still not in care were black. Um, which means that, um, you know, black communities um, are, are facing barriers um, into entering care uh, more quickly. And the CDC says that this is important because um, delays in entering care when someone is diagnosed with HIV can uh, worsen their health outcomes in the long run. In our next story, looking back at the past decade, Movement Advancement Project published a report on the past 10 years of policy and legal changes facing LGBT people nationwide, so 2010 to 2020. They found that their policy tally score that they give to states increased by more than 10 points over the decade, but that the average rating for each state still remains just fair. There's a really big um, 
disparity or, or gap if you look at the report between states that have improved a lot and are really high on the scale and states that are, are really low on the scale. Um, so that kind of explains how they average out to fair. Um, but on the positive side, if you look at the states um, that rank as negative, so those are states where protections are very low and there are actually harmful policies on the books, according to Movement Emancipation Project, the number of LGBT folks who are living in those states um, is now half of what it was. So it was that 48% of the LGBT population were living in the quote-unquote negative states in 2010. As of 2020, only 20% of the total LGBT population are living in these negative states. So obviously, it'd be great to see that number continue um, to drop and have no one living in negative states. Um, but to me, that's you know a, a fairly positive result. Um, 10 years in, in terms of policy, legal, public health landscapes isn't that long of a time. Um, so kudos to everyone um, who's working in the LGBT field um, and to other folks, allies, supporters um, who have made this change possible. Um, I think it's, it's really, you know, still a long ways to go, but also can't overlook the positive of what we've achieved in 10 years. In our next story, risks remain for growing queer population. Researchers found that the number of youth who are reporting a non-heterosexual orientation nearly doubled from 2009, when they made up 7.3% of the population, to 2017, where they made up 14.3% of the population in the states studied. They also found that while the number of suicide attempts declined among these students, sexual minority youth were still uh, almost three times as likely to attempt suicide as were their heterosexual peers, which shows that as the population grows, the need for services um, doesn't decrease, it actually increases. In our next story, HIV vaccine trial ends. UNAIDS reported that a U.S.-run HIV vaccine study happening in South Africa has unfortunately been halted after initial data showed the vaccine was not successful at preventing HIV transmission. While disappointing, USAIDS um, say that their results will be useful um, to move this work forward. And meanwhile, there are actually two more studies happening um, elsewhere in the world, in uh, Europe, Africa, and the Americas, um, that are looking at other ways to vaccinate folks against the HIV virus. And finally for the week, rural doctor making a difference. The Morning Sentinel reported on a doctor working to serve LGBT people in rural Maine, which um, it may surprise you to learn is the most rural state in the country and where many lack uh, access to LGBTQ inclusive care. Dr. Karen Seeley is one of only two providers in central Maine who is part of GLAMA's network of LGBT affirming providers. The president of GLAMA says that many providers in rural areas are LGBT welcoming but are afraid to join the list due to stigma facing the population. Dr. Seeley says the community's needs are actually not that complicated. They just require providers to educate themselves and get comfortable with LGBT patients. But of course, that can be um, difficult for providers to do in areas that lack LGBTQ medical education um, and where the population may not be as visible. 
Well, I'm glad we were able to end on some positive uh, news after looking at, um, you know, sad results about the HIV vaccine study and some other troubling um, reports today. It's always nice when we have some good news to share, and really there is a lot of it out there. Um, Thanks for listening, as always. If you're interested in following up on any of the research or news that we've discussed today, you can find all the links at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. And I hope that you will tune in next week for another edition of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Thanks.